Welcome to the Supreme Bohemes Podcast, where we embody a supreme energy while maintaining a bohem lifestyle. My name is Tay Yujin. And my name is Mallory. Thank you so much for tuning in to the last episode. We really appreciate it. We talked about... What did we talk about? I can't remember right now. <laughs> um, we discussed the... Oh, I almost forgot myself. Sorry, y'all. We... Modern concepts <laughs> of marriage versus Oh, yes, 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 yes. So we talked about so that all the that. part. Yeah, we did a deep dive. And hopefully you listen. If you have not listened to the episode, I suggest uh, going back to listen because that was a very thorough episode, as our episodes always are. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening and sharing and all of you done to support the podcast last week. Absolutely. And most importantly, happy Black History Month. Yes. Oh my gosh. We are now on what? We're almost in the middle of the month. Mm-hmm. So happy Black History Month for time to reflect for those that came before us. Yes. Definitely. Black History Month is always so important. And like I was telling mm-hmm. you, Mallory, it's it's the time where I like to call people out. Well, partially like to call people out, white people out on their bullshit. Um simultaneously uplifting black people and black cultural uh, <laughs> highlights and all of that black history and everything but I do like to call out the white people and the white gays yes <laughs> absolutely positively <laughs> so on to our question segment about us um, what has been your worst hairstyle worst. has been yours I so I've experimented with a lot of hairstyles. My mom used to braid my hair all the time. Used to go get my hair done in different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, worst hairstyle, I ooh, it's hard because I think it's I hard. liked them. It's hard. Let's see. When I go back to my pictures, which one do I hate the most? <laughs> I don't um, know. You go. I don't know. Well, think. I know for me. I didn't hate any of my hairstyles, but um, one hairstyle that uh, really kind of stripped my hair is the first time that I had my hair dyed. So when I had a perm, my hair used to be all the way, like, halfway down my back because my hair was very, very healthy. And it still is. Not, I don't mean to speak in past tense, but I'm just talking about that time period. So... I wanted a color, you know, being 16. I'm like, you know, I want my hair colored a certain way. You know, I'm older now, blah, blah, blah. So my parents allowed me. And when she did the color, she didn't tell me how to maintain my hair with, um, number one, having a perm already. And then two different colors in my hair. Because I think I had like an all burn. And then I had like a, a dirty blonde mix. So it gave that kind of fiery like golden red look so and it was cute Mm. it was cute as hell but when she washed my Mm. hair my hair was falling out by the clumps and it's because she it was too much happening at the hair to the hair at one time it's too many chemicals so my hair ended up like coming out I didn't have no bald spots but wherever the um my root was my hair was breaking from anything below that so anything that had golden Dang. brown it was breaking and um i was really mad about that because my hair was halfway down my back and she was just she didn't really have much accountability for it she was just like you know well this is the color you wanted so i had a little issue with that um so that's one of my worst hairstyles and i think another hairstyle that comes to mind it was cute then but i think 
from hindsight, any hairstyle I had that consisted of leave out when it came to sew-ins, I'm like, dang, I, nah, I was, I'm not feeling that now. Like when I look back at it, so. Hmm. Well, for me, I now that I've perused some of my pictures from the past, <laughs> I think my worst hairstyle, even though it was bad when I look back at it, but I felt like it was cute then. I had this short kind of pixie cut wig, and I think the wig would have been really nice if I like cut a little bit more, I did a little bit more to it. I think it looked the 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 structure was nice, but I needed to cut it to make oh. it more fine so it wouldn't look so as older lady as it did. Well it in the, looking at it now it looks old lady, but I felt like I was real you cute. probably was that's like one of the weekends I went to I went to New York for um Pride mm-hmm. weekend and it was really cute. It was a fun time but um I didn't have anything that I did to my hair so I just had bought that wig. And um, that was that was probably my worst, but it still wasn't yeah. that bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, our next segment is WWBD. What would a Bohem do? And we have a tweet for the week. And in honor of Black History Month, um, we are going to highlight this tweet. So this is from um someone I know. Her name is Shyla, but on Twitter. It is at underscore I S H E M E. So I think it's I see okay. me. Um, so she said, praying to the same God that the KKK pray to, just don't sit right with your <laughs> soul. But that's just <laughs> but that's just me though, my thoughts. And as soon as I saw that, that kind of made me re- uh, remember a lot of the reasons why I started questioning my Mm -hmm. um, faith and moved away from Christianity, moved away from a monolithic Mm -hmm. God. um, And that idea of the, the father, the son, the Holy spirit, I don't believe Mm -hmm. in those things. So, because I feel like that is the same God that, you know, your oppressors pray to and draw strength Mm -hmm. from. And it just is kind of like a weird positioning as an, as an, an oppressed group to believe that that same God that gives the oppressors their power and dominion over your group is the God that's going to grant you freedom and liberation from said group. It it kind of is, it, it doesn't make sense in my opinion and in her opinion. What are your thoughts well, on Well, you know, I agree with you, girl. <laughs> um, I definitely do. I, I was thinking about how, that the monolithic uh religion whether it be christianity i wouldn't say islam so much but i just put christianity because it was that's what the tweet was based on how it has made us really move as docile people to be honest um when i think Mm -hmm. about um just certain issues that we've had in the past for an example um one that really comes to mind is the when um you know Kaepernick and the kneeling and what that meant and I can't remember the athlete because I don't know my athletes I'm damn near and I definitely don't in football um but he played he played Mm -hmm. for the Baltimore Ravens I forgot his name anyways he he you know was against the kneeling and I guess like I'm trying to remember I think it was like the Baltimore Ravens kneeled and he had on his full suit and he had kneeled 
not with one knee but with both knees and it was like you know why did you do that he was like because i was praying to god to make sense of this make sense of why they kneeling and i'm like (laughs) it just made it's just an example of how you know christianity just makes us uh a a docile people and when it was portrayed into us especially coming into the americas when it was brought on to us it it created such a form of um internal forgiveness for our oppressors that will continue to do us harm but we just got to go in the corner and pray about it and just hope it goes away and i'm just really i can't subscribe to that i really can't and Mm -hmm. um that's something that immediately came to mind it really did yeah, I really think people just from thinking like just thinking critically and thinking in, in historical context, you really have to think of why did you believe certain things you believe. We that's the kind of the, one of the main points of our podcast is to dive into okay, this is this, but why? Why do we believe this? Why do we subscribe mm-hmm. to these things? And as black people, uh, religion is a big fucking deal. So, you know, don't just take everything for what it is. Always look past it and seek a deeper meaning, I feel. So that was WWBD. Let's go ahead. And we're moving kind of fast. Yes, we, we have yeah. a very uh, thick, uh, big bone, <laughs> big body fucking stallion of a topic yes. this week. And we want to have time for that. So, our topic this week that we are going to get into for our Inner Supreme is classism among Black women. Yes, classism among Black who? women. Black women, because it does mm-hmm. exist, and we are Black women. We see it. There's other Black women that experience and witness it, so we got to really start having these uncomfortable yes. conversations. So the first thing I want us to do is define what classism is. Classism is prejudice against or in favor of people belonging to a particular social class. So um, in for historical context, of course, classism was more based in wealth and, um, of course, social class, meaning what families you belong to and just like a hierarchy of wealth, more economic than anything and family based but with black people and just based on our unique history and placement within the world classism is very very complex it's not just the oh you have made this amount of money so you belong to this class it's much more complex and a hard conversation to have because of the intersectionalities between race and class so our race plays a part in the classism that we experience um, externally with other races and internally with our own race. So we're going to talk about how those intersectionalities um, play a large part in the way that Black women experience each other. So the first thing that I want to highlight within classism is something that we kind of, some of us have learned in school or learned some type of way, which is the talented 10th idea. And this is an idea that was brought forth in 1903 by W.E.B. Du Bois. I think it's Du Bois or Du Bois. I don't know. So basically, he called for intellectual leadership of a specific 10% uh, or a tenth of Black Americans. He said that these certain, this certain group of people would be in control of first 
they are they have to be college trained he said college trained men specifically uh these people were are picked or or are um i would say justified through their understanding of the mass of negroes and their problems he's basically saying that these people qualify for this uh responsibility because of their education and they are the most uh i guess the more likely to solve the individual or the um, specific problems of Negroes mm. in America. Um, so this idea brought about a very large divide within, it was like one of the beginnings of the divide between class, social classes based on education. Around that same time, if you guys don't know, um, Booker T. Washington was also bringing forth ideas um, and, you know, he established Tuskegee, uh, the Tuskegee University. Um, so at the same time, he was talking about how black people can uplift themselves and, you know, continue to compete in social class or or I wouldn't say compete, but um, basically rise okay. higher through hard work and agriculturalism. So his was more based on agriculture hence he created the agriculture and te technical school it was more based in agriculture more based in you know working like the working class citizen or the working class black negro and w.e.b Bob was more based in the educated negro and there was a major major um rift between those two ideas that kind of separated black people based on their class and based on the work that they did and based on the education that they received. And this was in the early 1900s. And you see it play out all the way up until today. Because these two ideas really split yes. people based on what they, who they are and what access they, they have. Mind you, all Black people didn't have access to this education, hence HBCUs. And at that time, there was only a handful of HBCUs um, created and there were of course PWIs and it was very hard to get into those schools. So this is the one of the earliest uh, means that I remember of dividing based on social okay. class. Okay and so now I took it upon myself to go to the to go to social media and ask different black women what were some of the um, ways in which they experienced or witnessed classism amongst black women. And I wanted to break it down into three sections. The first section is social, social economic status. All right. In America. Um, we're speaking more so on American, American base, because that's where we're from. And I know that there's difference between black people everywhere, but there are definitely some correlations for black people everywhere. So the first one is social economic status. Then we have biological and personal differences. And then last, the last uh, factor is professionalism. So let's go through these. So the first thing I want to discuss is the classism based on poverty. This is the basic one, the most, not basic, it's complex, but it's the, the most uh, distinct one, I feel. So within... Um, and of course, Mallory, you chime in if, if you have any feelings okay. about it too. But of course, poverty is, you know, 
the the lower class that makes the least amount of money versus the high middle or high class that makes more money and a big thing that has happened especially within the 80s and 90s is the idea of a welfare queen mm. it's a this is a this is a um, archetype that was created to say that black women um in the united states were these were basically shiftless women lazy they didn't have jobs they basically took advantage of the economic system or they were going to work the system for themselves and obviously this is a false narrative we uh there's so many there's so much research if you look up uh welfare queen you'll see so much research that um basically defies this narrative that was created because obviously um black white households have a larger percent of people receiving federal aid from the government so it's not even a real thing it's something that was created to to obviously create another social that was during reagan era so correct okay mm -hmm. yep yep the 80s and of course the 90s and that was definitely a part like it, it was just a big um way of shaming women and this is you'll definitely see like lower class white people using this term to to say well they got all these jordans and they got this 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 and i'm working and i can't afford this but they use the government they use this all this all the time to to justify why black people are lazy and they don't deserve certain things because we are just lazy people which is obviously not true we built this country and we're still building it what a form so, of propaganda <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's it's ridiculous. Um, obviously, we have our own black women who believe, especially black women from higher social statuses, mm -hmm. believe that this is actually a true thing, and they look down on women who make less money. But you gotta also remember, there's women who do receive federal aid, but they make less than thirty thousand dollars a year, and less than thirty thousand dollars a year is literally damn near fucking nothing to survive so these are the same women now mind you there are women who do milk the system yes but there are lots of women who work two to three jobs and literally are still making less than thirty thousand a year mm -hmm. trying to to make sure that they can make shit shape for their kids and a lot of them are single mothers so you have to factor that shit in too you have of course if you're a single mother you deserve some you deserve some entitlements from the government because you automatically are in a deficit you don't have another additional income so that's another one single mother shame that's, that's a, a big, big one deal in our community we we look down on single mothers and we it's you can see it on twitter like now People are bl people blame single mothers for being single mothers instead of looking at the reason why they're single mm -hmm. mothers. Yes, <laughs> people can. Two people lay down and have a, a child, and it's consensual. Hopefully, the sex is consensual. Um, but it's both parents' responsibility. So how are you going to say, "Oh, well, she should have known this, or she shouldn't"? Di it's what yeah. about the man? Yeah. <laughs> what about the man? That was. That was just clear as day is how we just look down on single um, single mothers. Yes, there's a responsibility, but we need to also have the responsibility on both sides. Um, so that is, too, these both deal with poverty. These deal with um, just social economic status. So now let's go into this one, which I feel that we can kind of discuss more okay. in depth. Um, the sorority classism. Okay. Um, what do you think about that one? So the sorority classism, there are certain, I'm just going to pinpoint some of these things that the person told me about, and I want you to respond okay. to them. 
So the first one is uh, women in sororities look down, black women in sororities look down on women that are not in sororities. What do you think about that? Um, not all black of women. Of course, but, but we're not going to act like that does that that mindset doesn't exist. Um, I right. definitely feel like that is something that is still relevant to this day. Um, just some of the even you know going to a school, going to an HBCU, some of the mindset that is being projected among people who aren't in sororities. Um, you know. Like things that are more social as a more than uh things that are more economic. So, oh, you know, mm-hmm. some, something small as you know, we can get a section, but you can't. You know, just like little little social mm-hmm. things like that, or you know, oh, you know, there's a probate, but there's just a section for us. Nobody else can sit there. Like, it's more of a social mental thing. Um, and I do think that that mm-hmm. still exists. I also want to touch on some of the societies that existed, um, I'm not going to say that, uh, I'm not going to say creative sororities because I don't agree with that, but I do feel like uh, some of those influences moved on to sororities. So when I think of certain social groups that existed within the early 1900s, such as the Blue Vein Society, uh, the the paper bag um, the paper bag club where you know if your complexion wasn't greater than or not greater but if your complexion was darker than the paper bag you weren't a part of the club or the blue vein society where if you couldn't see your veins uh, uh, through your hand then you weren't light enough to be a part of that club um, I don't think that these created sororities of course I don't but I do feel like some of the uh, influences. I don't think so more now, but definitely in the beginning, I would say within the early 1900s to even the 80s, 90s, those influences existed very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So this one definitely. And only picking black women with certain physical features, you kind of talked yes, about that. Yes, that does exist. Definitely. Um, we, all, we all know that, and let's just be honest, AKAs, that was their thing and in some schools that still is their thing picking light-skinned women with long straight hair fitting a certain archetype school days was created to basically um it was a replica of the aks and the deltas and the whole the whole schism between them was based on that idea Toni Morrison spoke about how when she was in, she went to Howard University, she talked about how black people would separate themselves. She was like, they didn't have to have masters to do it or the Klan to do it or Jim Crow to do it. They did it themselves. She said she went to school and she got, she got picked to be a part of um, the um, AKs. And this was on her documentary, um, which is Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, if you guys don't know what that is. But um, she got picked and she was talking about how the women, um, within there they it was obviously she got picked because she was lighter and she was like there it was based on color so the sorority had that and she as mm-hmm. a member in during during that time spoke about that we all know that to be an actual thing and a stigma uh, but a, a truthful stigma within that and i think now it's it's much more progress has been made but there is still that distinction between that sorority and other sororities based on skin tone and features and complexion and all of that. I do so. think though with sororities, um, 
I feel like it's not so much of the skin tone. And I think this is all sororities across the board. I don't think it's just AKAs. I don't think that it's, it more has to do with skin tone now, but uh, more of your of your physical aspect, you know, oh, you know, you got to look good. You got to look cute. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, because you represent the organization, you got to dress like this, you got to dress like that, or, you know, where your heels at. I think um, that mindset, it's, yeah, it's, it's more about mm-hmm. a look. Um, I'm not saying that I'm, and I don't want to take away from anybody's experience if they did go through these things within these sororities. Um, but I'm just saying as far as what is portrayed on social media, it's all about who looks good, who has the... On the, social media and like at Yeah, school. about who, <laughs> you know, looks good or who, you know, looks the best or who's the finest um, or who's the most beautiful. Um, even, but I wanted to uh, put more on social media because like, I'm just speaking more of the time that I'm in now because we're not in school. But... I right, do right. see, like, you know, the explore pages of really, really beautiful women who are also in sororities, and they have all these likes. It's, it's low-key, like, some... When you think about it... Pretty it's, privileged. Yeah, it's, like, pretty it's privileged, crazy. and it's also more, like, a, um... It also more pours into, like, the IG model stuff, too. Um, it's all mm-hmm. intermingled, if, if I'm just gonna be honest with you. But, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of that stuff very much does exist when it comes to more of the physical features you know who's more yeah. beautiful or you know more desirable Popular. oh, popularity as well because i was going to well. talk about social status because um that's a mm-hmm. big one um we graduated from quickly so especially at our school you had to already have certain things that you were doing i think partially that could be a good thing for example if you're well involved in different organizations you're a leader that's great you should look at that if you're um, if you're getting some people to join your sorority, you should look for those qualities. Mm-hmm. But based when it's based on popularity and not actual work ethic and what people do, then that's when it becomes. It's just like okay, so now we just we're in the popular sorority yeah. because I love when um, I'm gonna speak for me and I and I feel like I can because I was in a part of soror- well, I'm a part of sorority and I was the president and vice president of the sorority and what I looked for and what I urged my sisters to look for was girls who had work ethic girls who had certain things going on girls who had maintained a certain GPA and that were involved like I look for that I it wasn't necessarily based on looks we did not look at like we literally did not look at looks at all like yeah certain things you want to look in well no we didn't look at looks uh I don't feel like we looked at that it was all based on how can what skills and things qualities that you possess that you can use to further um um progress the sorority mm-hmm. so but with a lot of sorority specifically d9 sorority because these are the one the first the initial ones that were established it is definitely popularity it's who you know is based on it's just all classes mm-hmm. all of those things are rooted in classroom they they started from classism and i really feel like the people in those organizations is just like it is up for white people to correct themselves when it comes to racism and it's not up to black people. It is up for sorority members in those positions to speak up when those classism issues become a problem um, because you should never run your sorority on classism. I don't care what the, the situation is. You should never pick based on physical features and popularity. Those are some the most fucking surface level things I've heard of. So 
yes, you want a person to be presentable, mm-hmm. but you don't need to be picking carbon copies of yourself. Right. Let's be clear, like that's so lazy and that is so hypocritical of what you say your sorority is supposed to be about. No, I yeah. I agree. I agree. It's not shouldn't be all about um looks and worth ethic and of course you know it's not the case for every single organization not at or, all. i'm not even gonna say organization um I, every chapter is different wherever you go you know what i'm saying yeah. it's not it's not a one-size-fit-all for an organ one organization or all the organizations everybody's different but you yep. definitely want to shed light on those that do really believe in that so yeah because we're black women we already got we already got intersectionality of oppression. We don't want to do it to ourselves. Sometimes we all are. We all mm-hmm. do it. Let's be honest. We all do it to each other because it's ingrained. We all in do us. it down the but we choose to hang out with. Is that mm-hmm. exactly? Um, and that's something we're going to. Oh, damn. Okay, I'm sorry. Later too, but it's okay. So yeah, so we do that, and it's like okay, yeah, we did it. But what are we going to do moving forward? It's not to blame. It's not to say all black women are like that. But in order for us to move on, we have to check ourselves in these areas. So that brings me to the next one, which is the degree classism. And this is basically stating whether this is just the, the, the intelligent and academic versus the person that didn't go to college and didn't go to school. This is a big fucking deal. Um, People from that went to school um, and I'm, I'm sort of generalizing this because there's different small um, details that can be brought up of this, but this is the general idea that people from who people who graduated from college and universities that have a degree or degrees oftentimes look down upon people who didn't. And it is even based on if dating. A lot of people don't date people unless they have a degree. A lot of people don't associate with people who don't have degrees. That is a real thing amongst black yeah. women. You, your friends are, if a lot of people don't have friends that did not go to college if they went to college. Yeah. And that is a thing. And you, when you think about the, the separatists and the se- segregation, we're, like Toni Morrison said, we're doing it to ourselves. It's nothing that you can't learn. Um, it's so many things that you can learn from a person who de- didn't went to school versus a person that went to school. I, I don't feel like the value is different. Like, there's no differences in value. So that one is a big deal. Um, the degree, I the degree classes. I agree with that because I know I used to be like, when I was, I was in school, I'm like, you know, I want to be with someone who either has a degree or doesn't want a degree and especially when it comes to black women and dating we're often taught you know you need to be with somebody that's on your level or higher and Mm -hmm. not even so much as far as accomplishments but their credentials and as I've Mm -hmm. gotten older I've learned that you know credentials really don't matter you can have all degrees in the world the degrees in the world but be poor so um and right. this is great but it's all about how you uh utilize that intelligence to your to apply to your life as far as success is concerned yes. and of course you know i i no longer subscribe to that mindset because right. it's not all about the you know, the post of I got my degree and da da da. And those are all great accomplishments. And that those are all should be praised. But a lot of it, we have a lot of, um, I think now we kind of see what time it is as far as like 
the the social economic mindset because when you graduate from college you kind of learn um that everybody is definitely all on the the same playing field and everybody's Mm -hmm. applying for the same jobs and everybody has to work hard for everything that they do so you can have a master's and yes. you can be competing against someone with a yes. bachelor's or with we an associate degree or no degree. Like it, <laughs> it does not matter. And when you realize that all of that is a facade and mm-hmm. illusion that was created for you to separate yourself, you be like, oh, what am I doing? We're all the same. Yeah. Like we have our individual differences, but we are all the same. And also, um, education and schooling is two different things. Hello. You can have, a, you can be schooled. Definitely, you can go through the process of a structured class, um, classes and all of that type of stuff to get a degree. But education is something mm-hmm. completely different. How do you apply your schooling is what education is. How do you use go from theory to application? Yes. And if you can't do that, you're not educated. You're just schooled. And there we go. <laughs> so um, I wanted to bring this up because I, I kind of wanted to take it another step further into kind of music in different different um different areas um there is a certain silencing of non-academic discourse from black women meaning i want to use cardi b as an example because car okay we know everyone knows that cardi b is very successful but we also know that so we, we there's three things we know she's very successful we know she's very um outspoken when it comes to her opinions and she does know what she's talking about but the third thing we know is that she doesn't write her raps right so um when it comes to her not writing her raps and a lot of in the way that she speaks a lot of people count her out um when she's talking about a serious issue and because because of her dialect and because of her um um i guess the the invalidation based on her um, creative level, we we kind of when she says something, we kind of some people silence her. And I'm using Cardi B as a as a um, as an idea b- based on a lot of women who are not who are not necessarily degreed, who are not um, who are from the hood and who have, should have a voice. We look at people who are not degreed. And because they can't speak in academic terms and in academic ways, we look at their, them only being an object of the impression, oppression instead of a voice of okay. the oppression. And like it's you, we objectify these women. For example, um, we sh- I think we should just include the ideas of Black women from every sphere. Instead of it, you, you have to be able, in order for you to be a part of the conversation, you have to be intelligent and you have to be able to participate in academic discourse. That's, that is, yeah. a, a, that's ridiculous mm-hmm. because what that does is negates the experience of the actual yeah. oppressed. Most of the oppressed people are not, and, and I'm speaking historically, most of the oppressed people weren't able to get education. So you're le- leaving out the exact group that is the oppressed and you're saying that they can't speak on their own situation because they have no idea how to analyze right. it that's ridiculous right. that's and so it's like we need people hood women we need women from the hood we need women from certain areas we need and i'm not saying hood women as a way to bash them or nothing. i'm just saying women from certain neighborhoods women from um from poverty mm-hmm. we, a lot of us come from that we need 
regular women to speak about their experiences instead of a degree not instead but in addition to a woman who has these degrees and who has did all this these um analysis and all of that like we need a balance of that we need from the low the middle and yeah. the higher class we don't negate the low class because we feel like they can't speak up for themselves because they don't know how to use or be a part of academic discourse that That's is crazy. crazy and then on top of that think of so many people who've made their way out of the hood that are able to be in these spaces and are very successful. I think that needs to be noticed because yes, it's not easy to do that. Have a chance. Like imagine if they didn't have a light or they didn't have an opportunity to do what they got to do to get to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not about a survival of the fittest of what you're born into. Um, that, that, uh, that, program that W.E.D. Du Bois created respectively is just very outdated. It's definitely outdated. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like we need to use all women's ideas as a part of the collective thought instead of these ideas and these women's experiences as objects of study. We're not just studying them on the outside. We need the women within these systems or within these um, systems of oppression to actually speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm, I get tired of hearing allies sometimes because it's like, no, make just do your work, but you don't need to speak for mm-hmm. us. You know, and as black women, sometimes we ally each other. I'm an ally for women in impoverished groups. No, how about you go to women in impoverished groups and give them the platform, give them the mm-hmm. space to speak up for themselves. That's how you, you, you invoke some change, not looking at yourself as this high figure because that's what a lot of black activist women do and it pisses me off because you putting yourself up in this position to be fucking looked at as this this woman who did all of these things for the community but where are the women in the community that you're talking about those women need to be put up those women need to be put it kind of remind me my on like, it kind of remind me on some white savior stuff it it and that's what it is like every Every fucking system of oppression that white people have done to us, we do to ourselves. And you can you can say it's some hotel shit, or you can call it like, oh, it's some conspiracy theory. But no, it's it is epigenetics. Mm-hmm. Like what is passed down, you continue it, and until you analyze it and pull that shit out from the root, it's gonna keep yeah. going, and it's gonna it's gonna change faces, but it's gonna be the same thing. So we have to look at that more deeply. So um, I, for me, like. Like for example, if we have uh, people from the po- on on a guest on a podcast, mm-hmm. I don't want to speak necessarily. If I'm having a guest, I don't want to go always get the the expert in the field. I want to go get someone who's in the experience. So it's things like that. Go get someone who is from the experience instead of having an expert who studied the experience. I don't know. That's, no, that's just no. what I believe about it. I, I thousand percent agree. The last one that we're going to discuss from social economic status is kind of, we kind of touched on this, but the, I never lived in the hood classism. This was from one of my friends um, that, you know, have had that experience. And, you know, we can also bring apart the struggle complex with that okay. one too. So the, I never lived in the hood thing. is kind of just basically like looking down. It's the, the, the idea of looking down on people that live in the hood. It's, it's just like the poverty thing it's just it's the same but it's it's hood things like things that are considered hood by ourselves not from someone else what we as black women black men categorize as hood 
when you have someone that is not from that disowning it and just basically saying it's not right it's not valid it's not valuable for example we look at how black women dress nails um nails long nails we um we've had rings on every nail we like jewelry we like our hair up in different styles like we have a certain aesthetic um we've always and it has changed through time but once it becomes popular then it's deemed valuable but when black women were doing it before it wasn't deemed popular and even by black higher class black women look down on black women with these hood aesthetics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the time the around the way girl and it still happens mm-hmm. like it's a certain way you dress, a certain way you look. Black women from certain statuses are not going to look at you as if you're valuable. They look at you, oh, this is just a hood yeah. chick. This is just a bottom of the barrel chick. And it's just like, we just got to see value in all, all of our sides. Because one day, that hood chick is going to validate your experience. Mm-hmm. It always happens. It always comes full circle. No, I agree. And I also want to touch on that um, as far as seen that on HBCU campus you know they okay. definitely want to some of these professors and some of these uh, women that work in higher ed they they give that oh you know well you don't want to look like no hood chick or you know even mm. the mindset and I know I've heard this at, at um, our our school you let me know if you heard it as well you know the, well thugs don't go to class and all that stuff you know mm. <sighs> As I've gotten older and I know what time it is, yes. I love people. (laughs) No, because like when you grow up, I mean, when we went to school, let's be real, let's use straight. When we went to school, it was between the ages. For me, I took an extra year. So it was 18 to 23. And some Mm -hmm. of the things, when you look back at from hindsight, I'm 26. Some of the things, like, dang, like that was a really kind of messed up way of thinking honestly yeah yeah and on our own campuses within our own like we do to ourselves. ourselves we do always do we you know and, and it's just like it's in it it plays part into that ageism as well mm-hmm. you know that ageism that we discussed in one of our earlier episodes um The discrimination, the classism is definitely among ages as well, which is the term ageism. That's where it comes from. I think we just have to kind of dispel that hood is not synonymous with ignorance. Yes. I think that's our thing. Like when it comes to our HBCU campuses, um, it's not, we all, well, not all, but a lot of people come from humble beginnings and, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's thugs can go to class. I understand, you know, you don't want to move and you, or you don't want, you know, ignorance on your campus or whatever, but don't, don't put that in the same box with, Oh, that's just like, Oh, some hood shit. People come from everywhere to go to these schools. And I think that that needs to be noticed. And I've had to do some checking for myself because I did not, I've only, I didn't even really live in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like, and when I did, it was like a very small portion of my life. And even when I lived there, it wasn't that bad. So I, I've i had to dispel a lot of things within myself growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's what kind of goes into the, the struggle complex. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about her earlier. On both sides, there is, a, is classism. 
what you just said kind of it correlated with um the struggle complex which is basically from both sides people who have not lived in the hood or you know impoverished neighborhoods and people who have and both sides have a degree of classism and prejudice against the other so you can can you speak on your experience from that if you'd like to okay um i feel as though um from my experiences and i think this is like any school that i've been in i feel like if it's always been a question of am i a real black woman card being revoked um because i haven't had certain struggles even when it, it went from friendships even to dating um for friendships, for an example, I've always heard, well, well, your daddy was in your life, so, you know, yeah. And I'm just like, well, what does that, what does that mean? Does that mean that I am going to struggle less? Um, I just feel like people that are put in privileged positions, they, that doesn't automatically mean that they have it all together or have mm-hmm. it all figured out. And as far as dating, you know, you're all, well, you, you know, you were, you was a good girl, you know, you didn't have no real issues in life. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I look at that as an accomplishment, even, you know, back to, even when it comes to my academia, I've been allowed to go to certain places because of certain places within the world, because of my academia or to, because of my academic achievements and my parents being able to afford that luxury. And, you know, sometimes with friend, even when with friendships, not so much now, but with friendships and, and dating is, is kind of thrown in my face that, oh, well, you've had these, these privileges or who paid for it or, oh, it's because you went to school. You know, I, I've just always had an issue with that. And, there there was so even down to how I spoke it was like oh well you talk white growing up I don't hear it so much now but growing up you you hear that and yes Mm -hmm. there has been time periods in my life where I've tried to do as the Romans and I've tried to act a certain way or talk a certain way or project um certain type of characteristics as that I feel would make me more um, more in the more on the oh you know I can be like y'all like I'm good enough when mm-hmm. in reality the whole entire time I just needed to be myself right and who I am and you know there there's a there's a blessing and there's there's greatness in how I was brought up and it should always be celebrated and I should be happy and I should be thankful I shouldn't always be trying to you know date the most you know hood dude or hang out with hood chicks because you know I'm black and or feeling like oh you know I'm black enough I could you know be in these spaces I've definitely uh deleted a lot of that because at the end of the day being black is not a monolith Mm -hmm. and being black is not synonymous with being hood or being you like I said earlier um it doesn't mean you have to be ignorant or it doesn't mean you have to be anything but yourself. Right. Different type of black people within the world. And I think there's light that needs to be shed with 
that in order to be black in America, you don't always have to go through a super hard struggle to get to mm. a certain point. You don't always have to have just one parent in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's a big deal There right is there. so many different types of people. Granted, yes, I had both parents in the house, but we had our own issues. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I had both parents in the home, so everything all good. Yeah, there's certain things I didn't have to... Um, there's certain things I didn't have to to experience most definitely but everything in life no matter where you are in life comes with a different set of problems and those need to be acknowledged as well absolutely period yes speaking on the opposite end of that um i grew up in the hood initially then i moved to the country which is a different type of experience it's like poverty but not it's rural poverty so um it's different from urban poverty So I had to, if you're on the opposite side, I think it's important to realize that um, your experience is unique just as the other person's experience is is unique and neither are more valuable than the other. You have to kind of let go of the resentment that you have towards being brought Mm. up in poverty because it's a lot of resentment there. And then you look at people who have certain things and you be like, well, you didn't have to work for this or you didn't have to do this. And then you play struggle Olympics in your mind or outwardly towards them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like black people love playing struggle Olympics. I think it's like one of our favorite pastimes to make ourselves feel good. <laughs> um, we do that with Africans versus African-Americans or people yes. in the African diaspora. We do the struggle Olympics so much. And it's just like you don't have to struggle. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to struggle. If you struggled, that was your experience. However, that's not the necessary experience in order to be deemed black, to be deemed valuable, or to say that your success really is success. So I just think you have to let go of that resentment because it is there. I've experienced that and I have to check myself still, still to this day of not looking at people who have had more than me in a way to invalidate them or compare them to me. I have to do that constantly because... Mm -hmm. It's hard. That resentment is built up. So just, I would just say, work towards being comfortable with your experience and seeing the good in your experience, rather than comparing yours to the next person. Um, yeah, yeah. Or so just, next, okay, even, okay. Oh, I'm sorry, but even with, um, you know, just saying. I remember growing up just hearing, or even now, like when I talk about my upbringing out here from some people, like, oh, you was just a suburban girl. Like, you, like, like, it's a diss. And it's like, yo, that, I feel like that's, that's dope. Like, that's dope that my parents were able to make a way and do the things that they needed to do for the next generation, which was us. Right. Um, that's an opportunity that I think any, if anyone had a chance to do, they do it. So kudos to my parents. Like, I don't, I used to look at that as a step, like, no, I've been through stuff or no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with y'all. Like, no, I don't have to do that. Like, if you don't accept me for who I am, cool. It is what it is. But I really do have a problem. And this is something that I'm, I'm working on how to handle um, things like this. But I've always had an issue with people that group things um, or put people in boxes because um everyone's situation is not whether it's how you're raised or where you're from or whatever it's not a one size fits all everyone has a different story you can be you can live on the same block as somebody and have a and they have a completely different experience from you so 
I'm working more how to handle things like that. But I know that's a huge pet peeve of mine because I know people who lived in the suburbs that grew up in abusive homes. Mm -hmm. Like just because you live in a certain area doesn't set the tone that you've had everything right. People, you know, it was one person that, that, um, and this is me living in the suburbs. They got into an abusive relationship and he shot his wife. And that was in the suburbs. So it's like, it doesn't matter where you are. The issues occur anywhere. Mm -hmm. Don't make someone's geographical location as the census for how you choose to label that person. That is because you don't want nobody else to do that. Very ignorant. I hate that shit. It is. It is. It's just look at each experience for what it is individually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we're going to get into biological and personal difference. We're going to first start with biological differences. Um, I want to, I don't want to go, I want to go in depth, but I also know that we've been on here a while and these are like very common. So I feel that most people have an idea, but let's just see where it goes. So the first one is colorism. Now, in the 90s on back, we did not talk, no, two, early 2000s on back, we did not really discuss colorism. No, we didn't. Colorism at all. But from in the 2010s on up, I believe a lot it has to do with social media, the emergence of YouTube, and just mm-hmm. more discourse online between multiple people. We've really started just talking about colorism. So I feel that there's so many resources for it. If you are listening to go and watch, to go in depth with colorism but basically it is complexion discrimination so light skin versus dark skin or lighter skin versus darker skin so we see colorism in so many forms friendships uh all my friends red bones uh light skin keisha mulatto these types of rapper rapper Mm -hmm. names um we see we see colorism in jobs that you get Mm-hmm. Um, we see colorism and colorism is a part of most things as black women and I feel like we get it the most because of the idea of woman is synonymous with beauty so color is like for example they go back and forth between light skinned men and light and dark skinned men based on strength but yeah. they don't feel it the hardest when it comes to beauty because beauty runs a woman's world like yes it does media images like uh, it's so it's like you have to be beautiful to be a woman and it's like no everybody ain't don't look attractive um, that's true according to norms and people make it so that if you're mind you you didn't choose any of these features you didn't tell your parents to have sex to have you so you had no choice in your features but it's like one of the biggest things that people are judged on Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, man, like you couldn't even control that you were beautiful. You couldn't control your genetics. So how you going to judge me based off how I look? So we, we, we really like the colorism, and we know where that comes from. We, that comes from uh, racial, yeah. um, the ideas of racism that were created by white people. We know that. We, mm-hmm. That comes from white people. Black, happy Black History Month. Yeah. So that comes from white people, but that's something we have to work on dispelling because it's in our communities and it's affecting our children. Like as far as who you have kids with, like you want oh, yes, light skin, baby hairs, or 
I, I saw a tweet saying y'all black men talk so much about uh, light skinned men being weak, but be so quick to create one. Hello. All of these things, it's like we don't love like mm-hmm. I feel like we should love all of it, right? All yeah. of it is valuable. But I hate when the emphasis is put on lighter skin being the right skin being better because it's like, man, there's so much beauty in black people. It in the darkest of colors, like the like the I would say the more the melanated there's so much beauty in the more melanated people that you can't necessarily compare them to lesser melanated people like it's it's yeah. no comparison it's no need to do a comparison and we got to stop teaching our kids well I'm, no because i feel like we have a lot of us have stopped teaching our kids that and a lot of us have started expressing to children how beautiful they are darker skinned children mm-hmm. for a long time is rough for dark-skinned women and Mm -hmm. it's just not okay like i'm i'm not light-skinned but i'm lighter and i still like i feel i feel the responsibility to speak for dark-skinned women i'm not i'm not dark-skinned but i just know that that shit is tough for it to be to be getting roasted and the first thing people want to talk about is how black black you are Mm-hmm. That shit, and it still happens in schools. It still happens with kids. Like, so it's important that these images now are reflecting the diversity within our within our complexions. I think it's we're going in a very good direction. We are, but we, but we still had to mention it that that's a big uh, classism issue with us. Yeah, I feel like I, I do feel like we are going in the right direction of that. The only thing that I do want to critique though, and I'm just going to be open and honest Mm -hmm. is sometimes I feel as though we treat any type, especially more, more so on social media, but some of the, some of the, um, the lights, we, we treat some of the, some light skinned women as if they're like, their opinion on this matter synonymous to a white woman. And I I can't help but have a problem with that because like I said, growing up, you do have the other side where it's like someone doesn't like you because of your hair. Like I had someone put gum in my hair because they didn't like my hair or, Oh, she thinks she all that. She thinks she light skin. What if you don't have that mindset? Cause for a while I was battling with, um, with self-esteem and how I look. So it's also, I think it's two sides of that coin. And I do feel like we very much do go in the, we are definitely going in the right direction. Do we have it all figured out? Absolutely not. But I don't want us to demonize light-skinned women either. No, we need to. We need to show that it's beauty in all spectrums. But let's not up dark-skinned women and down light-skinned women. I don't like that. And I'm seeing a lot of it. And I don't appreciate it because I'm one of them. Cause that don't make sense. Cause like, it's you can't like it's you're just reversing the whole reversing thing. Like the, the privilege. Like I don't like that. Stupid. It's dumb. We gotta stop thinking in binary terms. It's either light or dark. No, it's both, bitch. It's the it's spectrum. It's both and everything in between. Everybody isn't it's super light spectrum. or super dark. Right. You got all kinds of tones. And thank God. Oh, I want to speak on Fenty Beauty because. Um, oh yes, yes. I'm seeing, and I saw a tweet about. Um, it's like Rihanna did her homework and people was like, let me use your homework. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna copy it. I'm gonna change it up a little bit. <laughs> like, I'm did. so sick of these fucking companies because mm-hmm. like y'all mm-hmm. trying to act like y'all inclusive, but y'all are writing fuck her fucking coattails. She did this shit. The first, she, she was the first one to do this and she's doing it in every, every fucking factor of motherfucking lingerie, 
fashion and you bitches are sick of it yeah and you are trying all of these celebrities are now trying to come up with these inclusive brands knowing they don't give a fuck about inclusion they just <laughs> want to ride <laughs> thank you i can't like... stand that bitch you just want to ride the coattails of black women like y'all always do y'all want to y'all want to follow our trends and act as if y'all created them brianna was the first company to to have true inclusion and i'm not just talking about for black women but for everybody and that was a big deal and now every company 40 shades 50 shades bitch you probably got fucking 30 shades that are white or light skin and you got maybe 10 brown shades let's stop playing Mm -hmm. let's stop Mm -hmm. playing and call a spade a spade i am so sick of this and even with lingerie now you got all these companies rihanna put women all kinds of women in her fashion shows and in her not just in the fashion shows but as ambassadors to the product meaning you are an ambassador you are the face of this product she has women who are um disabled she has fat women she has dark black women. she has every fucking Mm -hmm. spectrum and you bitches hate it and you are insufferable because you're creating these lines in her image which it should have been the image that you were already going for if you really wanted to appeal to the masses you fucking idiots and the thing is that rihanna had to do that you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. now we're not talking about oh yeah back in the 70s or the 60s we're talking about in today's world in 2020 well in the 2010s Rihanna had to create a lane for that. Isn't that sad? As it's long so as sad. Makeup, as long as makeup has been in this world and it has been a thing, and as as long as beauty has been a, a thing, it had to take the 2010s for that to for a lane for people that don't fit these regular uh regular. I don't want to insult anyone, but these certain palettes. Mm-hmm. don't you know that people that even people that have like olive olive tone some of those some of those tones looked horrible before rihanna was yes. out. like we gotta give it's um, not just for black yeah. women it's mm-hmm. everybody she includes everybody every single person and that means doing the work that means actually researching studying what works best for different skin tones not just slapping your fucking name kylie jenner on a product all of these stupid bitches slapping your name on a product because you got a super popularity on social media and saying that it's inclusive and appealing to the same group that you're like denying. Like, I don't fucking understand it. it. And they're doing the same thing in texture with texture discrimination. Mm -hmm. Thank God for YouTube because finally it took for us to be on YouTube as black women to learn our hair and to create a community. But now we have an array of products. I feel like now we are having... Like, it's more mainstream to look at a commercial or look at an ad or look at anything in media and see texture, different texture. Not just um, a looser texture, but to also see up into 4C textures, the kinkier. Like, it's becoming more normal, but there's still schools and schools around here that are, and jobs that are, and different organizations that are banning our natural hair as far as dreads. Especially dreads. It's legislation for Dreads, legislation for it. And they just ruled it um, unconstitutional in New York, but that's a a state thing. It was just happening in Texas where they banned it. Like, it's crazy. And I'm Mm -hmm. not, I don't think the whole state of Texas, I think it was a specific part of Texas. So you can go do your research and your Googles on that. But I know that that just recently happened. And uh, my God, in Africa, the little girls have to cut their fucking hair off because they deem it. 
everybody's not going to take care of their hair. So they can't, a lot of the girls in different countries within the continent cannot wear their natural hair at school. It's banned in our own fucking continent. So that just shows you how whiteness just trickles down into our own people. And how dare you be a school official and a school board member and say that to your people when that's what grows out of their fucking head naturally on the continent. Like you're Mm -hmm. on the continent. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. So I get mm-hmm. real pissed about stuff like this because a lot of people will try to say that they're inclusive, but it's still a lot of work to be no, done. Thank God lot that we work. are going in the right direction. And black women are really speaking out and not just the academia black woman, all kinds of black women. Because we got black women from the hood creating products in their kitchens and that are now um, sold in Target and in Walmart in these mainstream places, not just boutique, but worldwide. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it is a beautiful thing that's happening, but let's keep it going and let's not let these people ride our coattails. I agree. The next thing we're going to talk about is body shaming. And we talked, this is a conversation that has really kind of started in maybe like 2012, but in 2010s. Like there has been movements in body positivity, which is like this term that like white feminists like to use, but to, to big up them, but there is body positivity movements that have been happening. But right now we really see it more than anything because Usually, you you remember like Kato and Lane Bryant and certain things like that. Like we'll have certain yeah. lines. Like bigger women have certain lines, but there was always a specific type of bigger woman. Like you had to be curvy in like mm-hmm. a ser- hourglass figure. Now, thank goodness that we're even talking about uh, shape discrimination amongst um, amongst fat people. Like mm-hmm. y- it's so much layers to this discrimination that we do to each other. Um, that is done to us like we body shame especially in the black community community, especially in the um, like people who are from the islands I've heard it's real bad like you can go home or say for instance you haven't been home in a while and the first thing they talk about is how big you are and it's just like a normal thing I when I was in Ghana um one person they just called me fat and I was just like Fat. I was like, "What are you talking?" Like, what? I didn't go off, go off, but I think um they were saying it like they weren't trying to be harmful. That's just like a normal thing to say. Like, don't call me, don't call me fat. Like, no, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So, but even though I, I don't give a fuck at this point, but still, it's just like yeah, and like there's certain communities, certain diasporas of black people, certain areas of focus. Like, there's like there's really no limits to the the body shaming. So it's like, I don't know, y'all, like, fat people are here. Fat people going to always be here. So it's just like, mm-hmm. fat mm-hmm. people are beautiful. Fat people are people. So just, like, get over it. Yeah, I agree with that. And stop just only having skinny friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, my you gosh. Have, it's a lot. It's a lot of that. It's, it's a lot. Tea. It's a lot of that. And it's also a lot of people hanging out with people because it's a we we all look good yeah. instead of having like my my genuine small group of like my whole cop my little college crew we are different sizes we look the same we love each other and we're friends with each other based on the base of who we are as people mm-hmm. not 
oh we oh we know how to pop out or not because we look good together <laughs> or not because you know we know how to dress together so we walk. I can't stand I, simple I, bitches I like that stuff like that that I really hate stuff like that and I've seen it a lot in school Yes. I've seen it a lot in school. You see it a lot even when you come back to homecoming. Like, oh my how God. people never really change. Like, they never change. It's just they got older. And I hate that. Like, I Literally. really do. Because me, you know, if you invite me out, I'm not going to always wear heels. I'm not going to always, you know, I, I don't really do makeup like that. Number one, because I don't really know how. I want to learn. Um number one but number two i i don't really care that much i don't care for a full beat you know i i'll be i'm cool with a natural beat i don't all i don't own any wigs i don't so sometimes and i know that certain people don't invite me to certain spaces because of this and it does suck and i'm not gonna lie it did put a hit at my self-esteem but i will say a few days ago like i had to bounce back and be like yo like you really that chick for real like you're yeah. really dope you're really you're really a light forget being dope or fly or any of that you're a light and you have mm-hmm. to continue to shine like Absolutely. but but those things do exist especially within black women Yes, it's so it's so deep within us. Like we have, we really like just look at our, just our music and like the way we talk about basic bitches and how Ooh. like I feel like a basic bitch is basic mentally. When I say a basic bitch, mm-hmm. I'm talking about her mind. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about her appearance. Like you can be a basic bitch with no fucking brain. Yes, yeah. But to call somebody basic because they don't want to wear what you wear, they want to wear don't want to wear wigs, or they don't want to look like the thing that is popular right now is mm-hmm. crazy because it's everybody's crazy. different. And you should want to have different friends from different walks of life. Yes. You shouldn't want guest people or people who think the same way as you all the time that don't challenge nothing that you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you don't want that, then that seems as if you don't want to grow as a person. Yeah, so, that, that shows who you are as an individual. It does. Yeah. It does. And I just really want these girls, like you, it's amazing. Look beautiful. Do you. Mm-hmm. But stop judging people because they're doing them in a different way. Like, just don't do that. And not so, everybody wants to look like that. Like, no. Wrong. That looks great. I'm not I'm not hating. Like, I'm not a hater. No, it's, exactly. It's cute. It, it is. But stop setting the tone for that you know you know what i'm saying like, i don't know all i know is that i peep it and people that fall into the same boat as i am we peep it as well like yeah oh well, let's talk about that on social media too how that okay. travels because i just i saw a tweet recently it's like like someone was talking about Ari Lennox and it was like i love her but sh- i just wish she would do her hair she don't never have her hair done and oh, i was just like God. i was just um i didn't say nothing but i thought about it and then somebody else commented and I, they kind of said what i want what i agree with but basically it's just like when the girl is going out she does her hair but if if she's around like what if she's around her house why does she have to be done up why like, she gotta be done up and even if she goes out and she don't want to be done up that's her prerogative like i feel like she wear her hair the same way i wear mine on a regular day up. yes we just wear it up and that's it like and then you may see her little cute little fuzzies mm-hmm. on the outside she but it's just like out. she at home she's at yeah. home so it's just like People want you to look prim and proper and mm-hmm. aesthetically pleasing and photoshopped all the time on Instagram. And most of those people who do look like that, I mean, if you're doing it for a job, I think that's great. Like, if you're a, a yeah. personality, like, influencer, do you. But it's like the people who can't show them real selves on social media, um, 
whether they're fat women, whether they're whatever type of woman you are, however you look, however you dress, show your real self. You don't have to have your makeup on and stop looking down on people who are not being proper and polished and and giving into those respectability mm-hmm. politics that you polish, subscribe to. Polish, polish. Yeah. Like let's just people be people. It's just it's okay. Everybody can be take it up a notch though. I'm about to take it up a notch. Do we it. need to stop projecting that on our young black girls as well. I see yes. too many posts of oh my my daughter beat and she got all this hair on her head that's a wig. It's like let she's a child. Let her hair grow. Let her hair blossom. Don't be quick to slap a perm on your child's head. You know, mm. once they turn five or six, let their hair come into form. My hair had to come into form. I, my mom didn't want us to have perms at all. But once we moved down here, she was like, you know what? I can do y'all hair. So y'all gonna have to get perms. Mm-hmm. Like, but it wasn't something that was like, she, she gave our hair a chance to grow and develop is what I'm saying. Like, let, and then we had to ask for it. Like, it wasn't even something like, I got to get y'all a perm right now. It was like, I had to beg my mom. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I had to beg my parents in general. So yeah. stop projecting those type of things onto little girls as well. Like, I be seeing kids with, with wigs on and lashes. And I'm like, let a How kid dare be you? a kid. What kind of parent are you? You suck, Stupid. honestly. You, you dumb bitch. <laughs> because, I and, that's, and like you said, taking it up and I'm going to take it there. Because what kind of real fucking mom and dad because honestly I feel like the dad should have a say in that too yes would let would fucking activate and speed up the child's process of growing like let the kid y'all motherfuckers are infamous for that like let that girl be a girl she probably don't even want to be wearing that but you tell her that this is what she's supposed to do and now you don't even realize the complex that you're creating that Mm -hmm. she's gonna have to subscribe to as she gets older come on now think don't now she don't use your kids as a trophy now she's 25 plus and she feel like in order to go out she gotta put on makeup all the time you know, and that does a lot to a person's self-esteem because they don't never feel like they're enough. Yeah, A person should feel like they're enough without these things. And a lot of women that do that often, they don't feel like their natural self is enough. Yeah, Like, I love makeup. I, I, love, I used to love dabbling in wigs and stuff like that. But a part of me let go the wigs, cut my hair because I realized, like, damn, you really don't think your your hair is enough. Like, you yeah. have to come wear a wig when you go out. And it's not the same for everybody. I'm just speaking on my experience. So, I I just stopped with a lot of it. And I just... I'm You've just been doing you. Mm-hmm. And that's just... And I feel like whatever works for you, works for you. But if you want to be done up, make that... Hopefully that comes from a place of you just like it, you enjoy the enhancements. Versus you feel like you need them. Yeah. You don't, no one needs them. No one needs it. You're enough without it. Absolutely. So we can talk about this all day. And I just hope you guys continue the conversation on our social medias because we're willing to talk about it more with you all. The last part of uh, personal differences is one that I really am seriously, I want to talk about is uh, married women. So married black women, uh, they basically use marriage as some of them use marriage as a status symbol or a way to other unmarried women. Oh, yes. 
this is a big deal. This has always been something that has been done and a way of classism within, within black men, among black women. Um, we are just getting to the point where women are really understanding that they don't have to get married and have kids to be successful, to be happy in life. However, there is still a idea that in order for you to be completely whole as a person, you must be married and you must have kids. That is not the way for everyone. And just because a woman is single doesn't delete her value. You know, these are basic concepts that we're talking about, right? When I think about it, it's just a basic concept. It is. But it's so sad how people really so inhumane and don't understand differences in humans that they force their ideas on somebody else. And the otherness I want to talk about, like, are so a lot of women, married women only hang out with other married women because they feel like other married women can relate to them more than their single friends. Let's talk about that. What you think about that, Mallory? Yes, you can be married, but a single woman has a single woman lifestyle. Yeah. Don't don't get mad at her. Don't shun her because she has a single woman lifestyle. You ha- if you out hanging out, you are a woman. You are by yourself. You having fun. You don't need to be constantly like in marriage woman mode. Like I don't know. It's just like have fun. Like I just sometimes can't. you can't have sometimes married women. It's like they're consumed with it. And then it's like you can't even be a person, just single, a person on your own. You have to always be me and my husband. Yes, you're you and your husband, but this is not, we're partying. Like, yeah, we're we're just having a good time. I get nervous and I've I've learned, you know, I'll gain friends as I continue moving through our life. So I don't see friends as something constant often. But um, I get nervous when my friends start having, um, kids and getting married because i already kind of know like you just the way it goes who gonna be with with the bullshit yeah and like oftentimes too people are married so you have to give them their space they have their own lives so we talked about that or other times some people are like once they get married it's always team me and my man team it's just they can never separate and remember that they're they're a person on their own and I just be like, girl, get the fuck out of my face. I'm not, I'm yes. not friends with people like that. Like, that's just so basic to me. Like, girl, bye. Like, you are a whole ass person. Get over it. Hell, people <laughs> are like that in relationships. Like, okay, that, yeah. that's the annoying part. Like, people are like, well, me, me and my man, we gonna do this, and then y'all could do that, and then we gonna do that. Like, just or leaving chill. you, or leaving you for the, um, I hate when people like, you got something planned. Unless it's an emergency, I understand that. But yeah. people just be leaving you for their significant other and y'all mm-hmm. already had plans. That's so disrespectful to me. And you the type of bitch I won't hang out with because you're not, you're not, you don't, you're not loyal to the friendship. Like if we have something planned, unless there's an emergency on in the home with you and your, or you gotta go, I understand that. Other than that, like we hanging. Like why you gotta fucking leave? Because your man, yeah. oh my. Girl, bye. Get yeah, out of my face. Bye, I don't have friends bye. like it's, that. It's annoying. It's okay, annoying. so let's move forward to the last segment or last factor, which is professionalism. We have like three of two of them for this one. So the first one is older women in the workplace and classism. Okay. So the woman that I spoke to said that sometimes older women in the workplace don't speak 
or they have speech. So meaning you speak to them and they speak to you halfway. Like I found that crazy. And I and that person that told me that isn't corporate. So corporate is so different from what I'm I'm used to like working with women all the time in education. So like the older women talk so much. But yeah. um in corporate and I and she said this is her experience of course, but mm-hmm. I wanna know if any women in corporate America experience this, these things that she said. So the first thing was don't speak, half speak. The second thing was they don't give space for other black or younger black women for growth and opportunities. Meaning mm. they kind of hold their positions, they hold things, they hold yeah. in, withhold information. They don't allow or or make a process or, you know, they don't yeah, look yeah, out. Yeah, I get what you're saying. For the people, they're just not looking out for the younger ones I feel like I understand it to a certain degree because if you are married you want to hang out well not you want to but you may want to hang out with married people too maybe y'all have Mm -hmm. certain you know questions or advice that maybe someone that's not married can give I get that but yes. to have to have almost a look down on you complex, and I know this because a lot of the people that I went to high school with are married, and I'm noticing that, and this was because people was getting married when I was 18 that, that I went to high school with. But what I realized when some of these people got married, it was almost like they would, let's say we have a conversation about dating and, and what that means and what that looks like for me as someone who's not married. And I I peep the I peep the 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 condescending look down on you complex like oh well I'm happy I ain't gotta deal with that you know I'm married so yeah like hearing your story just reminded me like I, that I love my husband and it's just like yo that's Girl, crazy that is crazy and I feel like that because let's not act like with me and we've had an episode on marriage so I'm not gonna touch mm-hmm. on it too much but. With marriage, you you just have a different set of of problems or or issues or whatever may happen. It's not the fairy tale ending that we were all taught would happen or show in Disney movies. So mm-hmm. it's so unfair to your single friends to have this mindset that it's like, and I get it. Like you may want to have, um, you know, like a a marriage party where it's only married couples. I get that. Like yeah, that y'all have something sense. in common. I get that. But when you have the whole look down on you complex, or you only I hang out with respect, married people, or you that's only hang issue. out with married people. I've heard people say that they only hang out with married people because they don't want no single women around their husband. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Oh. What a basic mentality. What a basic, <laughs> low-level frequency-ass mentality to have. Because you're insecure. You're insecure. Like, so what you, like, And why would you day, bring somebody around you that even that is even capable of doing that? You, yeah. you already know. I would never, ever, ever look at you, Mallory, and think that if, I'm bring, if you're you single like and bring you around my man, that you would, I would, like, because I know what type of person you are. That's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Ever. And on so top of that, I know what like type of person my man is. What does that say about what Facts. you think about your partner? Thanks. 
people really just like people honestly put men make men just so basic basic borderline like dumb they like do. they can't think they like they only think with their genitals no men men think and they men do what think. they want to do and if you pick someone who only thinks with their genitals and oh yeah you don't need to have your single friends around or maybe you don't need to be married to that person hello but that's that's a conversation we already had so so I, <laughs> it's crazy like um only and this is like also too that's wild to me like mm-hmm. that is such a what like yeah, all of this stuff that happened in your lifetime—you probably in your fifties and sixties, so you experienced so many different types of racism and all kinds of shit um, struggles. And you're not going to be an advocate for a younger black woman. But you want to know? Hard? You want to know why? Because every me. generation, and this is down to our age and our age group, but every generation feels like they're the best generation. Yes, yes, and yes, now yes. we're getting to that age where we're speaking on the younger ones like that. Um, but that's why, like, and it's sad because honestly, there's 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 more to come. There's more people that are going to be born. And there's more people that are going to have experiences and come into these workplaces. And for you to just have them all to yourself, or or have certain type of um, leverage or certain type of um, certain type of uh condescending complexes as if you're over someone it, it's some bs and it it's really like it's the, it plays into the concept of there there can only be one like i really i remember watching and this is a classic example if you need an example of this on being mary jane when she became like um the daytime on the um, daytime network in uh, what was it in New York? And there was this other woman, Rhonda, played by an older black woman actress that is like she's like uh, a legend in the field. So they, the woman basically was acting like she was her advocate, but was basically like sneak handling her. Like she was, she was basically keeping her in a position that was up underneath her. And once Mary Jane found out, found out about it, it just was like she realized that they were enemies and they were working towards, she was trying to, of course, make it so that she, they ripped the, the older woman, Rhonda realized that she looked up to her. She, she just wanted her to be her mentor. She wanted to be in her position, but she didn't want it to be pushing her out. But it just basically was, it showed like the beginnings of a black woman, younger mm-hmm. black woman coming into a position that an older black woman in, is in. It just showed the trajectory and the journey of that experience. And I think if you don't understand it, being Mary Jane did it so well. It's it's just a exact depiction depiction of that what that experience would look like. But I just really think <clears throat> yes, a lot of older women are stuck in their ways, and it's unfortunate because you really can't change that. But for younger women, I just feel like if you're in that workplace position, like don't overextend yourself. Do as Mm-mm. much as you can. Speak, but realize that it's not your that it is not for you to to open up that person's consciousness. It's not your job. No, I. I agree with that. Oh, and the last thing that she said was, they're rude for no reason, but friendly as hell with white people. <laughs> Bitch, that lit me up. I'm happy that it's not that's not my reality at my job, though. Me because too. I will say a lot of the black, I work in corporate, and a lot of the black women um, at my job, 
they just they they're actually happy to see another black face you know what i'm saying so they'll Thank speak God. um even if they even if they don't i don't even take it away because i don't think they're being nasty maybe they are just they just didn't see me or they rushing somewhere and i don't know but i haven't had any negative experiences i guess from what i'm saying amazing. and that is amazing because i've been here for four years so well going mm-hmm. on four years so that that's great they always so the, want to have lunch with me uh, and all that stuff. So it's cool. I just wish the person that told me this, I just want you, I wish you could be in a company that you see black women, like older black women like you, and they would mm-hmm. embrace you because I don't know, maybe it's the field that she's in. Could be the or, field. It could be a difference in the field. Maybe there's more, much more competitiveness. I don't know, but maybe there's something different to create that experience to be that way, but I just hope that if wherever you transition next, if that is the case, you experience uh, an embrace from older black women. Absolutely. And everybody who's experiencing that, I hope that for you all. The last thing that we are talking about is profession- in professionalism is the brunch conference idea, these women brunch conferences. <laughs> and what I've noticed with these conferences is it's basically elite, elite black women catering to educating and uplifting a specific group of black women so it's it's like either you are on that level as same as elite so you'll have all of the elites and they'll be like emerging women Mm -hmm. who they want to bring to that Mm -hmm. but you don't see them like necessarily doing real advocacy work like the only way to like I feel like really uplift the people is to try to reach all types of those people not just a certain class so you're only this is like direct classism. You're only only focusing on one group of people. And and it is hard. I'm not going to say the task is easy to appeal and to um you know be gain those professional relationships with people who are in different socioeconomic statuses, but I feel like that is if you're having a women's brunch and you're talking about empowering women, you need to be up to that task. Yeah. That's the whole point of what you're doing. So don't, it's like, the, it's like preaching to the choir, which is what they're doing. People that already know, that already have access, that already have um, privilege, you're speaking to those people. What are you really doing? How are you really inciting change? And change? Y'all are not doing nothing. And it's a lot of these stiff-ass black women that mm-hmm. are doing this. And, they're, and they, they get put on these pedestals, just like um, we said about the other group of women, black women. You get put on these pedestals as if you're doing something. I see it in activism. This is a form of activism. I see it in entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. We talked about last week with those damn inspirational (sighs) um, meet and greets and stuff like that, or um, brunches, where you're just talking about stuff, but you're not giving people tools to actually build themselves. Like, what are you really doing? You are basically getting having an ass kissing fest. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With good food and drinks and nice scenery and plates and I mean you can even like see it from I guess even a psychological aspect how you know even in some of how the seating is and some of these conferences mm-hmm. they're sitting up and they're looking down on you like it it I look at that as more of a psychological thing like they oh, have yeah. to sit in the middle of the table and everyone sits around them like it's like it's so 
it's like not humbling. Like, and I'm so tired of it. I really, really am tired of it because that, is that backhand shit. Yeah, like, it's some back, low, it's some backhanded, like... it's some backhanded compliment stuff. You leave with no tools. You leave learning nothing. And especially when it comes to uh, black entrepreneurship, it's like, yo, you speak the real. Like, this is where I failed. This is where I didn't fail, or this worked for me, or this didn't. Like, have these real conversations. Don't be throwing these brunches and then be like, oh, you know, well, you know, I just did it like that. And then, boom, it just it worked for me. Girl. It don't work that way. Like everything is with trial and error, and I'm sure entrepreneurship is within trial and error. Like absolutely, yeah. I even heard one um, at one brunch. It was just like you know, I'm just trying to get everybody off the the nine to five path. You know what I'm saying? It's what? like yo, everybody is not meant. Even the term nine to fivers, like everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur. Clearly, because I'm, I'm not going to go on my little critique because I was in my bag last week. <laughs> I was <laughs> so sure. mad. I was so mad. But it takes everyone is not meant to do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It takes a skill and it shouldn't be looked down upon or or put as a level below you because someone works a nine to five. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of that narrative within yes. some of these brunches as well. That's definitely a uh, way of people invoke classes. Yes. Seriously. Like, I just think, and all in all, with everything that we talked about is classism is rooted in differences. It is. And it's using extreme differences to pit one group against the other. So I just think that we need to look at more, look at differences in a different way and stop thinking binary, one or the other. Look at the spectrum with everything. Every every single thing that we talked about, old and young, single, married, sorority, not sorority, degree, no degrees, dark skin, light skin, uh, fine texture, uh, uh, what is it? Loose Coil texture. texture, loose texture, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, body shaming, uh, fat, skinny. Every single thing is basically two ideas binary which is what binary means and these things are pitted against each other to form social classes so if you can stop thinking binary if you start there okay there doesn't have to be one or the other then automatically you can begin eliminating classism in your life so think of every instance where there is binary concepts and we can even talk gender binary concepts man woman gay straight lesbian heterosexual whatever to eliminate binary concept in your mind, think spectrum and boom, your, li- your life will open up. You can look at that in the religion, in every facet of your life. Your yeah. life will open up and you will stop thinking in classism, it, the basis of classism. So that is my idea of how do we solve this. We're not going to just talk about the problem. The solution is stop thinking binary, in my opinion. Think more spectrum-based. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yes. So thank that was ooh, that was long, but that was so necessary. I hope whoever if you made it this far, kudos to you, hats off to you because you are a rider, you're a trooper, because this was very detailed and I really appre- we really appreciate you yes. for listening so thank you. this far. So I think the next segment is what, five to nine? Yeah. Yes, it is. Five to nine. So we highlight people in this section that basically have their 
quote unquote, we were just talking about it, but they have their <laughs> nine to five job, which is a beautiful thing. They have mm-hmm. their nine to five job and then they're working towards also having their own business or entrepreneurial endeavor. So the person I want to highlight this week is Brittany Coleman. She is a soror of mine. We went to Bethune-Cookman University together and she is working in the counseling, uh, mental health counseling field. That is her profession. Um, or career based, but she also has a business called Blink Mink Eyelashes. So she sells mink eyelashes. She has a website called Blink B L I N K M I N K Eyelashes, which is E Y E L A S H E S dot Big Cartel, which is B I G C A R T E L dot com. So Blink Mink Eyelashes dot Big Cartel dot com. You can also find her on social media at um, the freckled underscore fantasy. I'm going to spell that out for you. So that's F-R-E-C-K-L-E-D underscore F-A-N-T-A-S-Y-Y-Y. So there's three Y's. So Y-Y-Y at the end. So that's her personal Instagram page. You can find the link into her um, website and she also shows a lot of deals right now she has a valentine's um deal so this is a good time to get them let me go to her page really quick to see her valentine's deal i want you guys to know about that so for valentine's she has a code love 14 where she you'll receive 20 20 off of your entire order once you purchase three or more items so you'll use the promo code love in all caps 14 when checking out so yes she has a range of lashes so she has very dramatic to natural like she has a a full range of lashes um that you can you can buy and they're very beautiful so check her out and um thank you so much brit um Brittany, for doing what you do all right yes go once again thank you so once again blink me eyelashes.bigcartel.com all right, shout out to Brittany on that. And now we're going into the Muse segment. So this playlist, um, I wanted to in- intermingle it with Black History Month and Valentine's Day, which I don't really celebrate Valentine's Day, but I know everyone does. Everyone else does. Um, I wanted to have a love song playlist that's inspired off of Black romantic movies. So... Movies such as Love It, Love Jones, Queen and Slim, Brown Sugar, and uh, Just Right. And I think I have a Best Man, a, a song from Best Man too, or no, the first one, not the second one. But uh, that was the that was the the mood and the vibes uh, as far as the playlist is concerned. And I hope you guys really do enjoy it. I know I grew up on the Love Jones playlist. My parents played it like every single day, even though I've still to this day never seen the movie. That is one of my favorite soundtracks because I actually grew up. Hold on, on you still ain't seen it? No. Oh my god! When you gonna watch it? You don't want to watch it? No, I do. I just can't find it. <laughs> oh, dang. You missed the part, the time where it was on Netflix, too. I got it at my house. I thought we oh, okay. Yeah, we got, we definitely got to see that. But I grew up on that soundtrack. So even That's though awesome. I don't know the movie, I know the soundtrack from top to bottom. And I know the Brown Sugar soundtrack from top to bottom, too. Yes. There's some good soundtracks. Yeah, this is, I was just so excited for this because this is the perfect, like, black 
movie soundtracks are are the best. Level. Oh my that god, that Queen and Slim soundtrack was amazing. That shit is so good. Oh my god, it's so good. So yeah, I'm excited to listen to this one as well. I'm always excited to listen, but oh, I'm definitely excited you. to listen. So yes, um, I think that concludes everything. Thank you so much for listening, especially for those who listen all the way through. If you yes. didn't, you know that's all right. Peep in and out whenever you want to. You could probably finish it within a week's time. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but, um, thank you for listening once again, and we'll see you guys or talk to you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye-bye.